Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I want to first address that summer can be a time where we're lacking rhythm, right? I don't know about you. Maybe you got kids home. Maybe people are out at work and you're picking up more at work than you want to be picking up. But better or for worse, it's our like basically one season outside of rain. And we find ourselves maybe a little bit more time to ourselves. And maybe you got yourself a heat rash. Maybe you got yourself a sunburn. I don't know, I've never had one, but I hear it's bad. Maybe you are finding yourself looking back at these last couple years and thinking everything's opening up. Everything's turning for the good. Everything's bending the way it should, but not for me. Here I am still battling the same demons. Here I am still on this hamster wheel, feeling like watching everyone else move forward, but here I am struggling. And for many of us, when we struggle consistently and we see it it really burnout, no end in sight. Burnout, the definition of burnout is hope without, hopelessness without end. That's the worst. And so if you're here this summer, and maybe you're like me, I'm this like type A, Enneagram 3, like constantly want to look forward, what's going next, hard to live in the moment. Or maybe you are consumed with regret and you still, you know, that 20 year high school reunion's coming up and you're thinking, if only I would have been there. If I would have just gone left instead of right. If I would have just made these small changes, my life would be drastically different. Yet you're here and you're fighting these battles and you're like, how is this my life? I won't be here. How is this my life? And what happens is we have a tendency as human beings to either fixate on fantasy of what could be, not dreams, not healthy dreams, fantasies, or resentment. We'll consent to fantasy or resentment, and those are both distractions because we don't want to deal with what's now and what's here. And I don't know about you, but the summer sun, the the endless summer as it's now reaching in the 90s in the Pacific Northwest, you have some more time to think through things. You start reading fiction, everything changes. You know what I'm saying? You've been shows that you really have been keeping off, but you have time to yourself. You have time to think, am I still on the zipper at the county fair and I wanna get off this thing? And you have a dull ache in the bottom of your stomach and you're wondering where do I go from here? If that resonates with you, I want to encourage you not to consent to fantasy and not to consent to distraction, but to consent to reality. A little bit of a wake up call. Understanding that where you're at right now isn't an accident and it might be awful. It might be absolutely tragic. And he opened me so well, I just got to hit it off. But you know what? You might be here and thinking like, no, God hasn't been good to me. Like you don't know me. You don't know me. And we're in good company when that happens. You look through the scriptures old and new, and you will find friends who know that feeling so very well. Author Shauna Nequist was told by a friend and mentor in her latest book that spiritual maturity is nothing more and nothing less than consenting to reality, being honest with 
yourself. Now, I sometimes am low-grade debilitated moving forward because I want things to turn out so right. I'm such a glass-half-full positive person. And when there's continual hopelessness or continually dealing with things that I didn't see coming and I feel like there's no end in sight, I'm like, forget it. Forget it. I can't do this anymore. And so it means a lot to say hello to here, to consent to reality. Because for many of us, it might mean saying hello to rage. Hello to disappointment, hello to fear, hello to despair, hello to isolation. Consenting to reality might mean facing everything that you have tucked in your back pocket and that you don't want to deal with. Because we, we're like, you know, we can still function. We can still get through the day. But are we growing? Are we stretching? Are we receiving? Or are we just dry and parched and just on autopilot hoping for the best? I love how the dialogue of the Psalms speaks perfectly to this process that so many of us find ourselves in, where we're spinning our wheels and wondering, where do I go from here? Because my reality blows. And it's the Psalm 34. I'm going to start at verse 1 and just get comfy because I'm going to go to verse 18. And let me set up the context here. David is overcome. Young David, he is not King David yet. He is overcome with grief and despair. We're talking about a guy who was set up, you're going to be a ruler. You're going to be a king. Set up with great dreams. He's thinking the trajectory of his life is straight up. But instead, his mentor is on the hunt for him and wants him dead. He went to the city of Gath, a Philistine city, hoping for refuge, and they refused it. And he's thinking, but I'm not with him. Please, please spare me. And so he ends up in a cave in Adullam, and all of these men follow him in there. And he's like, I was promised better. I, I heard, I know that there's better for me. So he's in this in-between phase, the not great part, right? When you're, you know, being hunted for your life, not great, not ideal. Yet here he is, and these are the wise words. And I want you to listen closely for this theme, this thread throughout, um, because it is so beautiful and so grounding in such a way that can withstand any storm. Starting in verse one, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. This is a man who just tried to get refuge from an opposing uh, army, from a city where he really thought he could find refuge. He even begged for it. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies, especially to yourself. Tur my edition, obviously. Turning from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears him. 
He delivers them from all their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So what I find fascinating is that if we know the knowledge that David is in this cave, hidden, hoping that he can live another day, yet he is in there extolling, encouraging, begging those around him to put their life in, in God, trusting that he'll care for them. I love that we see this theme of trust God to deliver you from the fear of how you think this is going to play out. So in your season, whatever your battle may be, whatever your struggle is, we're asking the Lord to remove the fear of how we think this is going to play out. Because we might, we might have fantasies that it's going to play out beautifully beyond, or it could be the worst scenario because we have had loss after loss after loss, and we just expect it now. Low expectations is how we operate. And not in like in a healthy low expectation, but in like a nothing is good for me, low expectation. Deliver me from how I fear this will play out. So when we listen to our despair, when we listen to our isolation, whatever it is that's plaguing you right now, and you can't lie to me, I know you, life is hard. Life is so difficult. But whatever it is, when we say hello to despair, when we say hello to isolation, when we say hello to the hardest parts of where we might, we thought we'd be, how much we thought we'd make by now, the job we thought we'd have by now, the marriage we thought we'd have by now, the kids we thought we'd have by now, the healthy kids we thought we'd have by now, the healthy life we thought we'd have by now, repaired relationships we thought we'd have by now. When all of that is bubbling to the surface and we're willing to lean in instead of run away, instead of take some agent that's naturally neutral and make it our addiction to numb the pain, whether it's Netflix, the bottle, you pick, I don't know. But when we're willing to lean in and accept it, it is liberating to understand that your life has been rerouted. It is liberating to understand that, you know what, it is not what I thought it would be. But just because it didn't bend my way doesn't mean God has abandoned me. Doesn't mean God isn't with me. This man is in a cave hoping for another day. And he's like, God has not abandoned me just because this didn't go how I thought it would. And when we lean in, we move to this place of acceptance. Anyone who's been in recovery knows this. Acceptance is key to freedom. And in acceptance, that's usually a language of pain. It's often said in parenting books that crying is the language of pain and how true. And whether you're a crier, I'm not not much of a crier, but when it happens, it's like, oh, wow, making up for the years that I haven't done this. But listening to the language of pain, it takes some sophistication on our part. It takes some honesty and vulnerability with ourselves. We ain't even messing today about being vulnerable with other people. We'll save that for another time. But being honest with yourself is half the battle. For me, it's like 75.8% of the battle. Because again, I'm so happy that when things smack me in the face again and again and again, I'm like, oh, apparently this isn't going well. And if you're a forward thinker and a dreamer and on social media, it's really a master for disaster because it's like constant highs and lows, right? So trying to accept your reality, however mundane or, or tragic it might be, all we have is like GoFundMe or a beach vacation. Like we don't have anything in between. Like what happened to latte art? Bring it back. We could have some latte art. Just something easy, breezy. This will not spike my blood pressure, make me sad and sleepless like NPR does. Read it in the morning, not at night. Why am I not learning this? 
But what happens is we're so fixated on something good that should happen or, or the despair that we're missing out on the acceptance of the ordinary. Like, this is my life, this ordinary day. Your life is more Trader Joe's runs and standing in line for coffee and being in meetings that should have been an email than anything else, okay? Like, that's the majority of your life. It's not the highs and lows. 80% of your life is ordinary, which is why you know the Kardashians are scripted. You know what I'm saying? So these highs and lows, they, of course, have those bits that we can't change that we would do anything to change. I'd have anything to have a healthy child. I'd have anything to be 20 pounds less. You know, fill in the blank, however it works for you. But all those things that, that we want and all those things, acceptance usually means a little bit of muscle has to be involved. Acceptance moves to disappointment. There's so much disappointment that we face everywhere. So there's, here's what we thought was gonna happen. And here's the reality. And this sliver right here, that's the disappointment. And for many of us, disappointment looks like rage. Rage is the inability to cope. The inability to cope. So we're left with this thick, thick, thick layer of disappointment. And it can be so small and so big and so constant that sometimes it's this like low-grade hum or shifty like a cat or like the boyfriend we refuse to dump. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's just constantly there. And sometimes we act like we have no agency that this is just the way it is, that we must be committed to it. And really, disappointment is this dark side of control. Because when things didn't go how we wanted and the control is far outside of our hands, what is that next step? It's disappointment. It's, dare I say, the opposite of transcendence. Transcendence is evervescent where everything's going right. It's out of this world. Nothing could go wrong. We've had moments of that. You've had moments of transcendence. For some of you, it's sitting on a beach, which I see no beauty and glory and love in that. I'm like, sweating? No. I'm already brown. I don't need this. Like, I want. But we all have your, you know what I mean? You have your minute of transcendence of whatever that looks like for you. For me, transcendence, out to a nice meal that I didn't have to pay for with people I love, talking for hours. The sommelier comes and fills your wine glass a little more. Transcendence. We all have it in little moments. Maybe it's that first cup of coffee for you or the sixth. I don't know who you are. Transcendence. Maybe it's a moment in worship like I had this morning where I just felt so seen by the divine. Transcendence. And so what do we have the opposite of transcendence? Again, disappointment. Disappointment is an unwillingness to let go and accept that your reality, that your Reality is one that doesn't belong to the person to the left or to the right. It's all yours. It's that unmet expectation. And of course, if we don't attend to it, we'll find ourselves in this cycle of loss and disappointment, and it will become the lens you see through. It will become how you operate and how you relate to other people. You will expect disappointment, you will assume disappointment, and you will live disappointed. Spiritual formation writer and Catholic theologian Ron Rollheiser, who I'm a big fan of, says this of disappointment and being honest with yourself. The natural temptation is to deny, to lie, to pretend that none of this is happening inside of us. And so when we're asked how we are, we generally say we're fine, even when our hearts are bleeding, our jealousy is raging, our faces are tense, our eyes are sad, our dignity is, our dignity is compromised, 
our fists are clenched. Whenever we deny that we're wounded, we prepare the perfect breeding ground for bitterness, anger, cynicism, coldness, and rage. When we don't recognize and accept our wounds and frustrations, we easily grow cold, grow hard, and toughen our skins, minds, and hearts. We turn away in bitterness from what's soft and life-giving to what's hard so as to put a protective shell over our wounded pride. It seems the only way to preserve ourselves. It's this act of self-preservation. To stay in disappointment means I don't have to dream for more. I'd rather stay disappointed than be hopeless again. But there's another option, he says. Grieving, mourning, tears. We can mourn our losses and cry the kind of tears that rip open our feelings of security and safety and bring us face to face with the painful truth that we are broken, not whole, disappointed, and unable to actualize our dreams. When we grieve, we soften rather than harden our hearts in the face of loss and humiliation. Consenting to reality, accepting what is happening in this season causes us to ask, what did I think I deserved? Is what I'm doing enough? Is this what I want? Why can't I work through this? Is this me? Am I the problem? Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. Because when you're a season in the season that you didn't ask for, you didn't contribute to the problem, but you cleaning up the mess, oof, that's the worst. It's one that you didn't see coming. And we ask, why is this my life? But we can invite tenderness and gentleness toward ourselves. Do you see how gentle David was in his words and in his encouragement? So gentle. Because we find that the gentleness is a beautiful antidote to disappointment. Being honest with ourselves is a beautiful antidote to disappointment. Because leaning into here, whatever that is, for you, that acceptance is a process. It's not apathy. It's not, it's not giving up agency. And it's not assuming things won't change. But it is being honest with where you can go for here. Because what happens is we will continue, try to mold and form our life of what we thought it should have been 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. Two years ago when we were, well, two and a half, when we were assuming everything was fine and we were going to take that trip to Europe until we didn't didn't get any flight credit back because they didn't get a bailout in European airlines, right? We didn't. So we find ourselves here, finding that acceptance is actually a guess. It's not apathy. It's not passivity. It keeps us honest. And it makes way for peace. You can't have peace unless you're first willing to accept where you're actually at. Because what do you need peace for if you don't know? What do you need peace for if you haven't addressed where these points of pain are even coming from? Mm. Liberation came for the psalmist when he was freed from his fears, freed from his fear, again, of how he thought it would play out. Not dipping into fantasy. I want to give you just a few passages that you can just nestle right deep down in your bones. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, peace isn't circumstances free of conflict. It assumes conflict. It assumes conflict. Because conflict is part of life. Small, medium, large, extra large. Keep going, you know. It also is joy at rest. Peace is joy at rest. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Not if, you will, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And last, Isaiah 26, 3 is my favorite. You keep 
him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you because he trusts in you. So if we don't deal in acceptance, we won't have the capacity for peace. And the capacity for peace makes way for delight. And in, when we're in a season of disappointment and when we're like refusing to even consent to reality, we would rather binge Netflix. We would rather live. And if only I would have married this person, if only I would have taken that job, if only I lived somewhere else that had more sun, I don't know, fill in the blank. But if only we'll continually live out of that. And what it does is even the good moments you're blind to. How can you savor the good if you don't have the capacity for it? This is something I often, often teach uh, to my Bible study ladies because I'm like, how dare you try to go enjoy the good when you haven't prepared yourself to receive? When you haven't prepared yourself to receive all the Lord has because he is looking to woo you. Goodness quite literally follows you all the days of your life. And it may not be in the shape form that you want, but it's coming for you. And may we make up and notice, may we see it, may we have the capacity for delight and delight, just like acceptance is a practice. And you know, it's interesting. So many of us, these, these healthy habits right, for our mental health, to grow with the Lord, we'll do them until we're in a good place. And then we're like, I'm doing so good. So we'll step back, maybe get out of the rhythms, maybe get out of the habits. I think especially in summer, it's easy to get out of the healthy habits that we might have to keep us sane and out of a maximum security prison. <laughs> but in reality, those rhythms are to be practiced all the time because they keep us soft, they keep us tender, and they keep us growing. They keep us growing. So I dare you to look at your life and even in a season of disappointment, identify what's good. Identify what's holy. Delight is holy. It's a duty. It's a duty, the duty of delight. I hope you remember that. What is the duty of delight? What would it look like? It's not self-indulgent to find delight. It, it, it is not, uh, it's not all about you. It's not narcissistic to find delight. And I think especially for the women in the room, we have been so conditioned to bleed for everyone else that the idea of delighting in something just for us feels a little off. But nothing could be further from the truth. Again, it's holy. It's holy. So I ask what ordinary moments are precious to you? What's been good that you can see? I see the hand of God here. It might be small. It might be little, but it's still all yours. Nobody's going to live your life for you. Only you get to live this reality, unfortunately. I know that might not be the best news today, but it keeps us honest. As I wind down, I want to share a little bit um, of what I say because I, again, I have a, a very bad habit of thinking of what could be. I'm a writer. I'm an author. And book deals are like two-year commitments from when you sign a contract to when it hits stores or Amazon warehouses. And I often think in these two-year cycles, and I'm thinking of, okay, well, this coming and this coming. And but what about this? But then, like anybody, where you're like, oh, but I thought this would be here. And so many of us have these benchmarks that we don't say out loud, but once this happens, everything's going to be great. Women do it. We're like, oh, once this series of numbers is on the scale, everything won't be great. Oh, once I make this much or this have this much. No, no, no. Everything will be great. I'm perfect. Everything will be great. We constantly move the bar of goodness rather than just step back and see what is and savor what is and see where the Lord has already been moving. So I encourage you, as you consent to reality, be honest with your season. Be honest. Don't consent to resentment or regret. Don't consent to fantasy. 
I'm not saying don't dream. Dream. But not fantasies that are never going to come true. And if acceptance, if hello to here means hello to rage, hello to anger, hello to isolation, welcome to the party. <laughs> welcome to the party of dealing with your stuff. And then moving to that place. Not only am I consenting, I'm accepting. Not only am I accepting this place of disappointment, I am choosing the peace of Jesus because this is all I got. This is all I got. This is, what, this is the only thing that's good in the bank. It's what's eternal. We're taking that with us wherever we go. And then delight. Oh, would you find delight in the season? Would you look for those little moments, ones where you are reminded that you are loved by the divine, that you are so seen by the divine. He has not forgotten you just because things didn't bend your way. May you be liberated as you say yes to now. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for every man, woman, and child in this building this morning. I pray they would encounter you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would be seen and known as beloved. Each one of us carries a melody of you so different from the other. Maybe it's more dissonant today. Maybe it's in a season that we didn't ask for, but a melody nonetheless authored by you that we can say yes to and that we can show up choosing you each and every day of our lives, not creating the God of our, our, our imagination, but the God of the universe, the God who is good to us even when we don't deserve it, the God who is good to us when we need it most. To you be the glory forever and ever. Be with us today as we go in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.